we welcome everybody back to Back to You with Panger and Niner and myself, KT. It's good to have you guys with us for another episode. Guys, we're off and running. We did it. <laughs> <laughs> yes, we did. Uh, what, it's- Ham, Cole Hamels, the feedback's been great so far. Everyone, I mean, two great guests to start things off. Like, how could it not be, right? And another one coming today. We'll tell you about it in a second. Absolutely. I, I, this has been a blast. And you know what the nice thing about this is with all our busy schedules, which we, we all are, and this is what we do for a living, is travel a lot. And then we'll, whether we're broadcast or, or Niner, uh, you're running the entire UFC network. Um, <laughs> but, uh, you know, I, I think that uh, the, the fun part is that, so, you know, we've, we, we get together like this and it's fun to do. I mean, could you imagine if this, this this was a chore? It'd be it'd be rugged to do, but this, <laughs> no. it's fun. And you know, the other part is it's fun listening to, the, to our guests. It's fun listening mm-hmm. to guests talk about, you know, f- maybe funny stories. They they open up. They talk about themselves a little bit more. They talk about their family. They talk sure. about things that are important to them. And and I think that's what that's really what make podcasts. What does make podcasts so so enjoyable is that you hear another side. So we're lucky to have you know John Hamm and and Cole Hamels. I, I really enjoyed obviously both of them. And uh, I don't know Cole at all other than doing this. And it felt like when we ended that uh, that segment that uh, that episode with him that we that we all knew him a little bit better. And yeah. so that's a pleasure He's to great. have such I, I, yeah great I've people. Yeah, meeting Cole just just once before, but just such a good guy. And like, I loved his story. I love that the conversation went to golf, you know, mostly golf yeah, me and, too. and his career. And yeah, he was awesome to have. I love that. So thanks. Nine well, and like you guys touched on these guys are, are more than just the sport that they represent. They, they're just normal human beings like we are. And whether it's going to their favorite restaurants, golf courses, etc. but Cole's great. He's so sincere. And when he got off, he called me and said, anytime, thank you so much. And oh. can't wait to see KT and Panger again. So nice. really nice. So his, his, his gifts in the mail, KT. His gifts, his gifts in the mail. Yeah, gifts huh? in the mail. That's right. Panger, let's start with you for a second because you are what four out of five nights you've been covering a hockey game. Yeah, four and five, and so yeah, uh, did games. Um, let me th- let me think here. I was in Chicago back to back, which is which is kind of odd doing home games back to back for the for the Blackhawks on NBC Sports Chicago. So that was Saturday Sunday, and. Uh, I should say maybe after the game on Saturday, I probably went out and had a couple. Anyway, that so I was a little rugged on Sunday. And then uh, Monday was an off day, which, of course, you know, here we are with the podcast on, on Monday. And then uh, Tuesday at Madison Square Garden. And then mm. on Wednesday uh, morning, 7 a.m., I took the train. I always fumble up the name of that train from from Penn Station to Washington. The, the Acela? The Acela. The Acela, that, yeah. The Acela, yeah. So that was uh, that That's was really enjoyable, travel, way, right? Is it like the oh, best? It is I the mean, best. No airports, no. It's so great, and it's smooth, and it's a nice ride. And I love the Acela. Anytime and I can take a train, I do. I'm not a train guy. You should see me. I, I get a little anxiety. Like, where do I go? What do I do? And <laughs> and and the Penn Station, the it's across you the street now. Literally, take the escalator downstairs. You realize that, right? I was like, wow, this is unbelievable. It, but it's so nice. It's so clean. Right. The new one in in, in New York, right. and uh, and so then. I found that really enjoyable and I, you know, sat back and watched a couple of spy ops episodes. And then I watched a <laughs> hockey game that I was preparing for because I've got a Detroit and uh, Detroit and the Rangers on, uh, on TNT. And then back to back again, that was odd too. back to back games on, on TNT. So uh, the Florida Panthers and Washington Capitals. So that's kind of where I've been at and, and everywhere I've gone, the weather has been unbelievable. And you know what I think about every, oh man, I wake up, I'm like, this is a golf day. This is a golf day. <laughs> Oh, Washington, you, beautiful. New what, York Panger. was nice. Oh, man. Living in Scottsdale is a golf day every day. It, it has been gorgeous. 
Now it's golf season. How many season. rounds are you getting in right now, Niner? How many, how many rounds? You know, I'm never home to play anymore. But I've uh, got a couple scheduled up in the next few weeks, so that'll be good. But I was just going to co-tell what Panger said. Leave some breadcrumbs because I'm following right behind you. I'm on my way to Madison Square Garden today as well. So I uh, just got home from Brazil on Monday morning. Today's Wednesday, and I'm uh, heading out to the uh, MSG for MSG. a big, Uf- big UFC fight this Saturday night at MSG. You know, I'm not going to say what hotel I was at. Uh, we don't usually stay that close to MSG, but we did for convenience purposes. But there were some guy was setting up a bunch of UFC stuff in the hallway. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it could, big- could have been. Yeah. So we'll figure out. Rangers to you. I got a lot of friends that are Rangers fans. I'm sure they're I'm sure they're listening to the back to you podcast. and They want to know how these Rangers look this season. Uh, man, that first period against Detroit was a it was an exhibition. I mean, it was great execution. One team was moving their they're moving their skates. They're passing well, well organized. Um, every part of their game was outstanding. And, you know, so if, if I'm a, I mean, if your Ranger fans are asking, I, they, they look great. That's without, that's without Shesterkin. That's without yep. Adam Fox, Fox, you know, gave Zach Jones an opportunity. I thought he, sh- he shined quite well. And same with Gustafson. I know that, you know, coaches bring along guys that they, they trust um, and they know they can put them in every situation and that the voice familiarity, but I know Peter Laviolette loves uh, Gustafson and, and, and he, he really, he really looked good there as well. So all in all, really good. I'm not sure if they were really good, though, to be honest with you, or Detroit was really bad for two periods. It was really hard to tell. I think Detroit was really bad for two periods yeah. as well. But maybe a part of that was just how good and, and how confident that the uh, the New York Rangers looked and played. How's hey, Lavi doing? How does he like uh, life La- in the Big Apple? Lavi's looking good. I mean, he's doing great. We've, uh, you know, I, 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 you know what? It's amazing how how a coach can – I'm not saying reinvent themselves because he hasn't. He's been true to himself and how he coaches and uh, a Stanley Cup winner with Carolina. But the energy it would take to go from team to team and sell your product. You know, he's always right. been a Labby Lock guy, a one three one, and but he's got hybrid Systems. versions of that, and and he can you know he, he can change things up. But by and large, that's the staple you know of Lavi and how he's and how he really presents that to his players and and gets them to to buy into it. And I. I just sometimes think that I go to a rink with a lot of energy, but but I'm I'm reacting to the game, you know. So if the, it's different, he's got to go in that locker room, he's got to present in practice, he's got to go over clips, and somehow you've got to grab the players' attention all the time. So I would say that Lavi's doing a phenomenal job there, and he, and the players, I mean, what I saw between the benches, it seemed like a total buy-in with the players. So uh, That's so all, yeah, hey, all Panger. in all, really good, and I'm impressed by that by all these coaches that get that go from team to team and organization to organization. If I can just chime in here, as a goalie, did you see Jonathan Quick playing this well for the Rangers? Did you see that coming? No, I mean, the one thing I, I – no, I did not. Okay, I'll answer that um, in, a, in a black and white fashion. He's, he's played great. Um, he's played great so far this year for him. Yeah. The one thing that I, I, I do believe in is never count out a, a great athlete. I yeah. mean, it happens all the time. I mean, a guy's on his last legs, and and you're doing a broadcast, and you 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 know blunt you you bluntly say something about that player's got nothing left. And I I, I swear to it that if that player hears you be, between the benches, yeah. then he's going to turn it on and do something unbelievably special. So I never count out these remarkable athletes and, and gifted players. Um, I will say this though: in training camp, we did do a game in in New York. It was Boston um, at the Rangers. It was a preseason game on TNT. 
and the heat was on Jonathan Quick. He did not yeah. have a good camp. So, I mean, it's easy for everybody, and I'm sure Jonathan probably thought of it himself, like, boy, do I still have it? And, you know, right. because all of a sudden you're in the locker room, you're not playing your good team guy like he was with Vegas last year, winning the cup with them. Right. And, and he was instrumental with the young, young goaltenders there. But then you play. You got to put your mask on. You got to get out in front of everybody. And I'm going to tell you guys, because I've given up a lot of bad goals. It is the worst feeling in the world to pull a puck out of the net, knowing you stunk, knowing that for whatever reason you couldn't get to that puck. And then you've got 15 to 22 seconds to go back at it again. You know, <laughs> right? you think about that for a second. Like, it's pretty crazy. I use that control alt delete and I'm, I'm terrible with my computer, but I know how to control alt and delete and you have to forget about it so fast. But if you're yeah. a legendary guy, you're going back to New York and it's not going well. So that would be tough. So I'm really impressed with Jonathan quick. And I'm, um, I'm a big fan nice. of Jonathan quicks and uh, I love talking goaltending with him. And um, I think he's a real student of the game and I hope that he has a, a great, how many seasons I'm, maybe this is it for him, but ending in New York's gotta be pretty special. What a building right. that is. Wow. I gave up, I gave up seven my first time at Madison square garden. So every time I go down there, even if I'm between the benches, why, why, I think why, does, that seem, does, why does that seem to be the theme? You're always saying I gave up seven, man. I, 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 yeah, I don't know. I don't know. I never gave up 10 though. Okay. <laughs> the sh the shark, the sharks okay, went sharks. back to back on 10. I gave up nine one night in LA and that was the max for me. Okay. That's great. Well, I, I got to say, I was in uh, Ann Arbor this weekend. We had the Michigan oh. game against Purdue. Quite a uh, lopsided game come second half, as we've seen with Michigan. They're just unbelievable. But right. um, you know, no shortage of storylines going on right now with the Michigan football program. <laughs> we'll see what happens, guys. I mean, it's a it's this back and forth, you know, you stole our signs. Well, you stole ours. And it's, it's you know, the, there's going to be a lot that is uncovered in the coming weeks with these situations and, you know, um, all the schools in the Big Ten getting involved. But I think, you know, the decision will be made. We will move forward, whether or not there are, you know, suspensions or anything coming down for Michigan. But then I flew on Sunday to the Bengals-Bills game. This Bengals team is looking pretty darn good. But um, more importantly, uh, our pregame show on NBC is sponsored by Applebee's. And I did a hit. You guys know my love and support of the military. Right. Yes. The hit in our pregame show about how Applebee's every year gives away free meals to members of the military or veterans, active members or veterans um, on Veterans Day, which is coming up on Saturday. So, um, you know, I think there's a lot of places that do that. And I just think it's so great. You know, they've given away over eleven and a half million dollars worth of donated meals over the last 16 years. But you know, being able to be at that Applebee's and I got to talk to a bunch of the veterans and, you know, share their stories before we went live. And of course the whole restaurant loved it when we were live on football That's night awesome. you know, Applebee's in uh, Kentucky, but it was, um, yeah, I just think it's great. I think anytime you can get front and center with these guys and, and women, women and men who have donated their service and dedicated and sacrificed so much for our great country and just thank them, you know, so don't forget veterans day is Saturday, Good November 11th. Um, if you see a veteran or you, or yeah. you even, well, even at an airport, when they allow somebody, we're all going to be in airports this weekend, you know, when they allow somebody to board first because they were a member of the service, just make sure you thank them. Thank so. you. Yes. Thank you for and all your service. You're, you're right, KT, and have patience. You know, like yeah. everybody's in a hurry to get somewhere. And, and I still, I get chills at rinks when the home team salutes the military. Mm -hmm. S yep. Salute. And, and, I, and the players stand up and it is so great. You know, yep. it is so great. So meaningful. Yeah, yeah, yeah it is. Passionate, it's emotional in the middle of a hockey game, you know, in the middle of sports yeah. events, and people just stop and just applaud. The players, them, do. Just, the players acknowledge it too with the oh, stick absolutely. It's, absolutely. A, it's a moment for sure. I mean, I think Great. I think the national anthem at every sporting event is a moment. You know, I take that time, take my earpiece out, make sure the producers know, like, 
this 60 second or 90 second, whatever it may be of yeah. the national anthem, I'm not available. But um, anyway, I, it's, it's, it's great that we do it. We need to do it more. And, um, you know, hopefully, hopefully everybody continues to appreciate this free land that we live in because yeah. there's a lot of bad stuff going on in the world. And yeah. we're fortunate that we wake up every day and, you know, thank our lucky stars that we live in this great country. So that's awesome. What did, what did you get? What, what, what did say? you get at Applebee's? What did you get at Applebee's? Hanger. I love my chicken tenders. <laughs> better. Don't they have like some kind of sample platter? Day. I would do it, but I would also be 900 pounds and that wouldn't be good. So it's okay, T you, uh, yeah. you were at the big house and you just yep. touched on a little bit of, uh, the news that's going on with the university of Michigan football team. What's your take? What do you hear? What are your thoughts from the you sidelines? Know, I, I will be honest. We, uh, we had a wonderful 55 minute sit down with coach Harbaugh. Um, he was very generous with his time Friday, right before the game. Um, you know, we didn't know what to expect and, and Jim is very, you know, he's very good at his words and, you know, he, he, he phrases it the way he wants to, but he was very open and, um, shared the, some things that were off the record, you know, shared some things, some things that were on that, you know, just help mainly help us provide context. You know, we, we're just delivering the facts. Todd Blackledge, our, our college mm -hmm. football analyst is amazing at what he does. And, um, you know, certainly we, we were gathering information all week long, whether it was from athletic directors or, um, you know, Todd spoke to Tony Petiti, the big, big 10 commissioner yeah. right before he went on the air. So what I will say, Craig, to answer that question is that I just think that all the facts are continuing to be gathered. You know, the NCAA is continuing their investigation. Sure. The big 10 is as well. You know, for me to have an opinion on it, I haven't seen any of it. I, I don't know what is going on behind closed doors. My, and, and that's what's crazy to me. Yeah. I mean, everybody's out there ready to, you know, demanding sanctions right away. They want, they want him yeah. suspended. They want this, they want that, but you have to wait. There's a process, right? Sure. Um, it's like, you know, our great court system. I mean, you've got to go through the process and they're in that process now. Um, you know, I, the information that's out there is out there. The rest is the more important information and that's what none of us are privy to. So, sure. um, but I was, I did find him to be truthful. I mean, I, I think what Jim told us, what Coach Harbaugh told us on Friday was um, appreciated. I felt like he was very, he's very bothered in the sense of, you know, he didn't know. He, he says sure. he doesn't know that publicly. Um, and, you know, you sit there and because I go back and forth, I'm like, well, how could you not know? You know, you have to know what's going on in your staff. Like every mm -hmm. CEO in America needs to know what's happening at his company. But the staff reality credentials, is everything. There's so many staff. There's so many things. I mean, you don't know what an individual's intention can be. As he told us on Friday, I'm not a mind reader. You know, you hire someone with good intentions, but you don't know what ultimately they're capable of doing. So, uh, you know, that's 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 the argument against the, well, he should have known. Well, you know what? Sometimes you don't know every single detail of every single yeah. employee on, on your roster. And there's a lot of them with college football. So, I'm curious to see where it goes. There's only three games left in the regular season for college football, and they are big ones for Michigan. So if a suspension is coming, I mean, that's right. huge, huge but, implications. For know, we're all sports fans, and, and, you know, I'm just watching from, from afar on my couch. I mean, you're able to be there on the sidelines, Panger, you as well, in your respective sport. But we all have friends that have played both current and former retired NFL players, and I've talked to a few of them. And a lot of them are saying, like, isn't that part of scouting? Okay, let's say you are stealing signs. Isn't that up to the other team to maybe change their signs? Maybe not the use the same the same type scouting. of things? 
done it at, at the time when you're not supposed to be doing it. So they have evidence that he was at games where he shouldn't have been. So that's the issue. It's yes. Right. I understand that, but I'm like, it makes no sense because that's what scouting departments are. I, I understand there's more stuff that's going into it and on the sidelines of different teams and this and that, but like you can see all the signs you want. You still have to go through with what's going on in the field. You still have to make the tackle. You still have to make the pass, things like and that. that's one point. Listen, this Michigan team, it's a shame that it's coming down the way it is, hopefully, yeah. because this team is really good. Yeah. <laughs> you know, really they're, good. they're legitimately good and they have been, they are deep, they are talented. They've got this great chemistry in that locker room going. Like yeah. they've got all the boxes checked. So it's a shame that, you know, there is so much noise um, and controversy and allegations. Uh, and so, but the t- the product on the field, there's no question that they are a national championship contender. So at the end of the day, yeah. that's what matters. These kids are out there grinding it out. And, um, you know, that's if I can just make one more point, let's say they do come down with a final decision prior to the college football playoffs. I hope for the kids sakes that Michigan doesn't get fined to the point where they're not eligible for the championship or any type of bowl game, et cetera. Um, it sounds like coach Harbaugh is taking onus upon himself. And if it's going to happen, let him take the brunt of it. And I hope that's what happens because the kids don't deserve it. And they have a great team. And Mm -hmm. I hope, you know, my wishes, you know, being a Michigan yeah. guy too. So yep. I hope it doesn't come down where they're not bowl eligible or playoff eligible. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Don't punish the kids. Yeah. Right. Well, we'll see. We will see. But guys, Hey, we have an awesome guest this week. Colt knows former PGA tour player, uh, TV, radio podcast, you name it, personality. He is awesome. And he did us the great pleasure of joining us this week. So here you go. Colt knows. Joining us now is former PGA Tour professional Colt Nost. And Colt, good to have you with us. And of course, the host of um, Golf Subpar podcast on golf.com. And we're just excited to sit here and chat with you, chat some golf, chat some other sports. So how you doing? I'm great. Thank you all so much for having me. Man, Panger, it's been a minute. You're just as beautiful as ever. <laughs> <laughs> I, think, I, I think I might have seen you in Vegas at a bar maybe last year after I played a little golf and everybody was uh, was going pretty good right there. But uh, my greatest memories, Colt, uh, being with you probably is at, uh, at Wayne Gretzky's, uh, yeah. the tournament uh, in the nationwide tournament in Collingwood, Ontario. Yeah, that's, that's where, where we first met back in the day. Um, I think I was playing alongside Holly, the great Brett Hall. Um, you had a, had a not lot of a, wait a second. You're so humble. You, you weren't just alongside Holly. <laughs> tell us what you did. Tell, tell us how well you guys did. Well, we won. I mean, but I figured that was <laughs> that was a given, considered Holly's handicap back then. Ooh. What was his handicap back then? Uh, way more than it should have been. But hey, I'm not <laughs> going to complain. We got the W, and that's all that matters. And, and a car. And he got a car. I did not get a car. <laughs> that doesn't seem right. That doesn't seem right well, that you're. You know, you're. Then, because you you probably couldn't, right? Can you accept that? Or uh, I got a little bonus as a pro um a little cash bonus but not, not near as good as the car he got yeah no oh uh, that's that's unbelievable that was a, that was a great time gretz does such an unbelievable job and getting all of us out there and i played with my 
Todd Fisher was my partner for three oh. years at, at that tournament, and we just had a blast. It was so much fun. I remember the first year, Colt, I wore long pants because I thought it was a big event. And then I'm like, <laughs> Holy's like, what are you doing in the pants? <laughs> I'm like, all right. I said, I thought I was Ian Woosnam. I was trying to be a pro. He said, yeah, just get off the, sh- the pants. <laughs> That's a pretty good Holly impersonation. I like it. <laughs> um, Cole, take us back to some of those Dallas days when you were uh, living down in Dallas and, oh, yeah. and a couple of the guys that you used to play with and how they compared to all the guys you play with here in Scottsdale now. You know, I, I was always a huge hockey fan growing up. When I moved down to Dallas and played at SMU, I got the chance to meet Mike Madonna was actually the first guy um, I met in the hockey world. And he introduced me to the likes of uh, Brett Hall and Brendan Morrow. And all three of us, obviously, I mean, I, I learned really quickly that I have a lot in common with hockey guys. We, we like to play golf and we like to have a lot of fun. Um, so, <laughs> so we got along very good. Um, I always joked that the first time I met Brendan Morrow, Mike asked me to take him out to play golf because he couldn't make it. So I took him and he didn't say a word for four hours. And I was like, Mike, this guy doesn't talk like this really isn't that much fun. Now I can't get him to shut up. It's, it's <laughs> Uh, he's one of my best buddies in the world, but man, the hockey guys, I've been so lucky to meet from those guys to Tyler Sagan and Jamie Ben, um, a bunch of the, I just, I get along great with all the hockey guys, Ray Whitney. Um, I have so much fun with them and we play so much golf and, uh, have a lot of fun out there, but there, I consider the hockey guys some of my best buddies in the world. Have you played with Joe Pavelski before? You mentioned those so, Dallas guys. I have not played with him, but I actually ended up at Tahoe this year, caddying for Alex Kalorn. And we were paired with him on Saturday, him and Steph Curry. So right, I was Joe, there. <laughs> yeah, Joe is a great player, man. He's got an awesome oh, yes. golf swing. Really enjoyed spending some time with him. Yeah, every year I'm like, I hope he wins. And I hope, and he's come so close. Yeah. And uh, yes, you probably don't even remember I was there. I pull up the rear of the tournament because, you know, somebody's got to do it. <laughs> somebody's uh, got to be in the last, last area. You're but, right uh, there with Chucky. Yeah, that's right. Saying, you can handle yeah, Charles. I, the, last, the last two years I think he's beat me, so. Yeah, but wait a second, Catherine. Down the summer, so I'm I'm coming with my A game next year. Bet on what me, about guys. that? What about that putt you made on 18? That's all that matters. All that matters is you sink the TV putts. That's it. <laughs> Unbelievable. Unbelievable. I thought I was doomed, and I ended up putting it in. It was great. It was very. It was my highlight. So <laughs> that was the first time I'd ever been to that event, and oh my, that it's the most fun golf tournament I've ever been yeah. to in my life. I was like, I got to make sure my CBS schedule works so I have that week off so I can come every year. Yes, you do. Maybe you can caddy for me. Forget those uh, one, two, three, four handicappers. <laughs> I'm a hey, how do you know Alex? How do you know Alex Kalorn? Through how Brendan. did you get to know him? Yeah, through, okay. through Brendan because Brendan spent some time in Tampa. Tampa um, him and Coach Coop, and we were down there covering the Valspar at Innisbrook, and the, and then the Lightning were in town. So Brendan hooked me up with Killer and went out there and watched him play a couple games, and then we just stayed in touch. And he was out there at Tahoe, and he's like, "Hey, would you want to stick around for the week and caddy?" Because I was doing some stuff for our podcast out there. And I was like, I mean, it's 115 in Scottsdale. No reason for me to go home. <laughs> uh, this Tahoe thing seems pretty fun. And we had a blast, man. He played so good the first day. I uh, was in the last group on Saturday. I was there when Steph made the hole in one. So it was, oh, yeah. it was, oh, it was really was cool. cool. Yeah. We had, we had a great time. He was, he was so nervous on the weekend. I mean, he had, he had never played a golf tournament before. This was his first ever one. And to be in the last oh, group wow. with Steph Curry and Pavs, um, in front of all those people, it was it was awesome, man. I was so proud of him, and I, he's going to be a guy. He he could contend for it one year. He's got to have a hot week, but he's a really good player. How are you as a caddy, uh, and how how is how is it for you to to kind of not mentor a player, but calm him down when when you know he's nervous and maybe that swing's not what it would normally be? 
Yeah, it was it was fun. You know, I just tried to stay super positive, keep him hydrated, if you know what I mean. Uh, make sure the bag <laughs> the bag was always stocked. But like I said, for him being his first golf tournament, we had so much fun. He did a great job. And like I said, I mean, he he played awesome the first day, and then I just think his body probably had never felt the way it did on Saturday, teeing it up in front of all those people, and then obviously being alongside Steph Curry. Yeah, and no, I mean, that tournament to me is just so, and you know, we've all had a chance to be there. I play in it, and it's like, you don't even realize how much golf that is when you're not used to. I mean, Colt, you played on tour. You know what it's like to play seven straight days a week all year long. But the tournament, I mean, I remember the first year I went there, it was it was a practice round on Wednesday. It was a pro-am on Thursday. And then, oh, by the way, you've got Friday, Saturday, Sunday, the yeah. tournament. I'm like, I don't remember the last time I played five days, let alone five days in a row. Um, so just for Alex to be there, and, and then you're experiencing – you know, the events at night. And then you've got all the um, the wonderful American Century clients that you're trying to entertain. And and there's great cookouts at night and celebrity karaoke and all this stuff. And oh, by the way, you got to tee it back up again tomorrow morning at, you know, seven, eight, nine in the morning. So I'm sure it was a learning curve for him and, and for you just, you know, trying to maintain the pace as well. Yeah, you can uh, you can sleep the next week. There's a lot, yeah. going, there's a lot, there's a lot going on, but there's nothing better. Obviously, um, Craig's up there every year with Charles and, and Charles just runs the show up there. Um, he, he, he's better at the nighttime activities than the daytime activities. <laughs> well, uh, I was just going to say, Colt, I mean, t- tell us about the, the, the plane ride home that we had and how long that night went. Oh my God. I mean, I, I was, he, Charles was nice enough to give me a ride back home to Scottsdale and I appreciate it very much. And I thought the party was over. I mean, we'd been going for four <laughs> or five straight days and. With Charles, it never stopped. So we just kept on rolling, and Monday sucked. I'll tell you that. <laughs> <laughs> That's so funny. That's you know what? You can, you can sleep when you're dead. Yeah, exactly. You only get one chance at this thing. Might as well enjoy it. Exactly awesome. right. So speaking exactly of enjoying right. it, I mean, this, you what so, it, and then you jump right into the broadcast side, right? You yeah. sign on with CBS yeah. Sports in 2022. So what has that journey been like for you to be – you know, calling the shots and being a part of the broadcast after so many years of playing the game and, and being on the course with guys you know very well, but you might have to be critical of at, t- at times. Yeah, so, I mean, I think I always hesitate to call myself an athlete, but I did play a sport for a living. So I think for <laughs> us, you know, growing up, you never have a plan B, right? It's just like, hey, I'm going to do this. I'm going to be very successful, and then I'm going to ride off into the sunset, and it's going to be a great life. Well, I dealt with some injuries, and um, it came to a point where I had to decide if I was going to go back down to what's now the Corn Ferry Tour, basically the minor leagues, or think about making a, a career switch. And being, I think, 35 at the time and had that opportunity in front of me, like it's hard to go backwards after being you know, on the PGA Tour for so long. And I was doing the SiriusXM radio show and having fun with that, and I realized I could, I could sit in my office a few days a week and probably make more money than a great season on the Corn Ferry Tour and be a lot less stressed. And then mm-hmm. obviously the TV thing started happening a little bit more. And I, I got extremely lucky to basically go from playing Phoenix Open in 2020 to doing, I think, 15 events for Golf Channel later on that year. And then that leading into a, a full-time thing with CBS. I, I, I'm very, very lucky. I'm so glad it happened. I, I joke that I think this is what I was actually meant to do. It wasn't to play golf. It was to do this. And I'm having so much fun with it. Um, being out there with the guys still like I've, I've traveled since I was 15 years old, I guess. I mean, playing golf, whether it's amateur golf or professional golf, I've traveled nonstop. So being at home is kind of weird to me. So I still love being out there traveling, getting to go inside the ropes with the guys um, and, and having fun with them watching. I, I, I told some people this year, I realized, you know, when I played very rarely did I get paired with the likes of Roy McIlroy, Jordan Spieth, John Rom, those quality guys. And now I follow them every week and, 
I just wondered what the hell I was doing thinking I could compete with those guys all those years <laughs> because they are so good, man. It's just unbelievable to watch those guys play day in and day out. I respect them so much. But like you said, Catherine, I mean, you do have to criticize them sometimes. Mm-hmm. Um, it, that's part of the job. But, you know, it, we're, I think we're close enough friends that they understand that. It's I'm not being rude or anything. I'm just calling it like I see it. And right. I think I think if, you know, they mess up and I call them out, they would probably agree with me that they, they messed up. You know, you got a great demeanor. You know me, Colt. I, I, I love golf. I watch golf more than I watch hockey. I work in hockey to pay for my golf. Um, and, <laughs> and, and, and I think that you there's some similarities. I, I once told uh, Kelly Chase, the former tough guy, you probably know Chaser. Everybody knows Chaser. And I, I said, that Wayne Van Dorp, he ruined my career. He landed on my knee and tore my ACL and I ended up retiring. He says, don't kid yourself. He started your career. <laughs> and, and, you know, you know kind of going on piggybacking on what you said, I mean, things happen for a reason. You've got such a, a, a great demeanor about you on the air that it's comfortable watching you, comfortable listening to you, except if you're huffing and puffing because you got to go up some hills sometimes. <laughs> but, but, but I've really enjoyed that. And I've always said that if I – because I came from the locker room and I retired at 26 and all my friends were still playing. And I felt like, okay, I can, I can say whatever I say on the air – I have to be sure that if I go into the locker room afterwards, I can say the same thing and they would completely get it. Is that kind of your theory as well? Like whatever yeah, that, you can say on the air, you have, can say to their face. Exactly. I mean, I never want to cross that line. I mean, there's, I, I'm still very good friends with a lot of people out there. And like, I mean, we go to dinner during tournament weeks and they're going to tell me things that they're not going to tell other people. And they're going to tell me things they right. don't want shared on the air. So I got to always make sure I don't cross that line because I never want to lose the trust. Once you lose the trust, it makes your job a lot harder, as you know. I mean, if these guys... You're you know, done. It, yeah, if they, if they trust you, they'll give you all the information that they want out there, and that's a huge asset. I mean, I think that's one of the reasons I've been successful is I get a lot of the information that a lot of other people don't um, in the golf world because I'm around them so much, but I never want to break that trust, and I always am sure, like, if they tell me something I think's really good or maybe a little bit on the edge, I ask permission first. But, yeah, you're exactly right. You got to make sure you never, you never cross that line. Hey, Cole, I mean, your sarcasm and quick wit is is next to none. And I think you've done such a great job incorporating that into the broadcast. Have you always had that? Or is it something you've picked up when you started playing golf or on the tour? When did all that come about? I was pretty shy, like in high school and everything, I would say. And then college, it started to come out a little bit more. Um, I've just always loved trash talking with people. Yeah. I think that's growing. I grew up in a real small town. Like there was 89 people in my high school class. And it's like everyone knew each other. And there was just you always were messing with each other. And that's just how I've been. I think golf definitely brings that out. Being around the hockey guys brings that out. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> uh, I mean, they are absolutely ruthless, but it makes it fun. You know, I mean, you know, Barclays, I would say people ask me like, you know, who, who do I look up to in the, in the TV world? And, and Charles is honestly one of those guys. I hate to admit it to his face, but he really is because he's knowledgeable. But at the same time, he makes it so much fun and entertaining because it is a show. And that's like, I know when to be serious. But I want to also make it fun for people and, and enjoy the listen and make some jokes here, here and there and get people to laugh because that's kind of never been the case in golf. I mean, David Faraday and Gary right. McCord, other yeah. than yeah. them, it, it, there's really not been any guys that, you know, kind of make jokes or at least make fun of themselves. And out there on CBS, myself and Frank Novello, like we love to take shots at each other and tease each other and um, just, just try to enjoy it because it is, like I said, it's a show. 
I think it's yeah, so no, important to say that too, because when you think of golf, and I mean, I've been watching golf my whole life, played golf my whole life, been a part of the NBC broadcast, and and there is a tone of seriousness. I mean, golf is a very classy sport. There's a level of integrity it takes to play the game, um, to go to a clubhouse, just to participate in the sport. Um, it's very exclusive and can get perceived as being such. So it has this serious tone to begin with, but we're in a wave of a new generation now, and I just love the flavor you bring to the broadcast, that element of joy, um, the laughter, and you're coming into a broadcast that is you know, top notch with Jim Nance and you've got Dottie Pepper and you've got, now you've got Trevor Immelman. I mean, you're working, by the way, the production crew is, is a plus plus. So, I mean, I'm curious when you came into that crew, what was your biggest eye opening? Welcome to TV. Like maybe something you didn't even realize goes on with a golf broadcast. And <laughs> because that is, that is, uh, you know, CBS, NBC, the, the best there is at broadcasting golf. Yeah. You know, I think we all have had that moment where it's like, welcome here you are. But I tell people, for me at least, and I, I find it talking to most people, there's there's no real training or anything. It's kind of, here you go. We're going to let you go and see what you got. And I was still playing at the time. I was hurt. And they asked me to do three golf channel events. Um, this is when Lance Barrow was still the producer over at CBS. So he would do the show on Thursday, Friday. I show up to Riviera on Tuesday. I text Lance and say, hey, I'm here. He goes, cool. See you Thursday. So I'm like, okay, great. I don't know where I'm going. I don't know what I'm doing. He's like, you're in six, you're in 16 tower. I'm like, great. Um, what do I do when I get there? Like I have no clue. So uh, Rick Folio was there who was Gary McCord's right hand man for so long, went down to 16 tower, put the headset on and here we go. And it happened to be one of the years where they had to restart the first round because the weather was so bad and being on 16 tower, number 10 is my hole. Well, number 10 is one of the most famous holes there at Riviera, the drivable par four. So the entire first day I've ever worked, pretty much the whole show is me. And I mean, we got Tiger going off and all this, and I have just no clue what I'm doing. And I'll never forget the, the first time, this is when I was like, oh boy, I am in over my head. I'm talking and Lance says commercial and I stop talking. And he says, he starts counting down. He says commercial, commercial. And I'm just, I'm not saying anything. And he goes, Colt, send it to commercial. I was like, oh, we'll be right back. And he goes, Colt, when, I say, I, when, I, when I say commercial, whoever's talking last sends it to commercial. I'm like, well, I had no idea that's how this works. So that was kind of my uh, my first moment. Like, oh, boy, here we, here we go. Yeah, I was just like, you know, maybe if you would have told me that leading into the show, I would have been a little more prepared. <laughs> but you know, you're a, not the only sport that they do that with. And that's yeah. the amazing part about it all. I mean, learning on the fly is no easy task. And having a, you have, you know, you had the headset on for, for a lot of us. We got the IFB in there and mm -hmm. you got your producer talking all the time. And it's no wonder that we've got, we don't listen to our, or maybe our, our better halves half the time. We <laughs> got something going on over here. We got something listening over there. And then you just, you just do your thing. So that, 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 that's a great accomplishment for you, Cole, to pull that one off like that. That's for sure. Is, is there, is there, um, um, a part of it, like, do you guys have the ability to talk back to the producer oh, yeah. on talkback like mm -hmm. we do? Okay. So if you want something else, you can, you can do the same thing we do in hockey and go back on something if, if, if there's something that you really want. Oh, yeah. Uh, I mean, he doesn't mm -hmm. listen to me very often. Um, our, <laughs> our wonderful producer, Seller Shy, I always try to chime in, but he, uh, he keeps me cut off for the most part. No, I'm just kidding. He's, well, that sounds but, familiar too. Yeah. Um, but no, there's a few times here and there. I'll be like, hey, let me ask somebody something or something like that. And he'll let me chime in. But man, we have so much fun out there. And I think the broadcast continues to get better and better each week for us. Okay. You finished in, in you said you finished in 20, 
Two? 2020 no, you didn't was my last when did you tournament. It was waste management, okay, 2020. right? 2020 at waste management, yeah. When I was a bang. So that was, re- that was right before everything happened in the world. So, yeah. so oh, what was it like for you? You decided to retire. And then what did you do during those months that you were – I know you said you got into things pretty quickly with the television side and the podcasting. But those first few months of retirement, was it scary for you? Was it like, oh, my gosh, I've oh, done this yeah. my whole life. Now what? Yeah, I think – it was definitely scary. I mean, I was doing the Sirius XM show while I was hurt. Um, that randomly came about. I started, we, myself and my partner, Drew Stoltz, started doing a show one day a week for an hour, and that quickly grew into multiple days. But while I was still playing, I was able to do that. So I knew I was going to have that to fall back on. But still, yeah, it's scary. I mean, golf's all I've ever thought about doing. And to go into the media world, which I had no clue what I was doing, um, to do me. that, yeah, to – to start the podcast and everything, which golf.com reached out. And that was kind of like, just, Hey, let's see what happens. If it's good, great. If no, not no big deal. And then the TV thing. Um, yeah, it, it all happened really quickly. And it was honestly a smooth transition. Thank God. Um, Cause I didn't know if it was going to be, but man, it's just, it's so much fun. I have three jobs right now, but it doesn't feel like I work at all. I love, <laughs> I love, uh, I love gravy in the sleaze. I, uh, <laughs> I, I, I only go between uh, Springsteen uh, radio and, and, uh, and, and PGA tour radio. A lot of the times I, I get enough hockey on my own. I don't have to listen to it all the time. So I, I really, I really enjoy that Colt. And it's, uh, it's great to listen to and listen to you guys banter back and forth. Yeah. Sh- shout out to Drew. He does a great job too. So yeah, Colt, sure I, does. I, I love shit talking and I love pranking people as well. And mm-hmm. especially when we're with Charles, but uh, tell us one of your better, pranks that you've done when you were both on the tour and maybe recently <laughs> oh boy um, my favorite one that i did was to grand delette um good good canadian, canadian boy why would you do that to a canadian a guy because oh, it was just set up so easy and i just had to take advantage you know graham's one of my best buddies um he likes to have a lot of fun with me as i do with him but i'll never forget this when we're at hilton head the week after the masters and bryson DeChambeau was making his professional debut and there <laughs> is when you when you win, they give you the tartan jacket. So Bryson has his little Puma hat that he was wearing at the time, and they printed them all up in the tartan jacket thing. So the whole week was made about Bryson. Well, in the locker room, you know, it goes ABC order, and it's DeChambeau and DeLetta right next to each other. And all week, me and Grand player practice rounds together. We go to dinner. All week, he is just complaining about Bryson. He's like, this kid has so much shit everywhere. I can't get to my locker ever. He's been out here for five minutes, and he's already annoying the hell out of me. I, I just can't stand this kid, and I'm going to be next to him the rest of my career in the locker room. I was like, dude, just start throwing his stuff or hiding it, whatever, just whatever. So all week, just complain, complain, complain. I finished my round on Saturday. I give my caddy my credit card, and I was like, go buy me one of those little tartan hats. I need one. <laughs> so he goes and buys one. And I autograph it. I say, two grand, best of luck in your career, and sign it, Bryson DeChambeau. <laughs> and put it in his locker. <laughs> so here, so I'm on the range hitting balls Saturday afternoon. And here comes Graham, and I can just see he's steaming. And I'm like, oh, this is going to be so good. So he comes, he's like, you're never going to believe what this kid did. And I'm like, he goes, this kid signed a freaking hat and put it in my locker, wishing me best of luck in my career. He's been out for five minutes. I've been out for 10 years. Like, who does, who does this kid think he is? He's like, I'm, this, this pisses me off. And I was like, I was like, you should probably say something to him. He's like, I think I'm going to say something to him. <laughs> so I was like, just so he he storms back off, comes back like 30 minutes later. He's like, I think someone's messing with me, and I just start cracking up. And he's like, you did this, and I, he's like, dude, I've been so mad at this kid, and he is he's never forgotten about it. He tries to get me back, but it's definitely not not to that level. But um, that's one oh. we joke about. And Bryson that's actually good. never found out about it until about three or four years later, and I told him in Vegas, and he loved it. 
Oh, that's, oh, that's perfect. I was going to ask you if he found out about yeah. it. That's pretty funny. <laughs> yeah, that was a good one. So you, you never went on Bryson's uh, wor- workout um, regimen, uh, Colt? Uh, no, that sounds miserable. It sounds <laughs> really exhausting. I, I, I'm, built for, I'm built for comfort. <laughs> you think there's something to that colt like the you know the the routine because like, you see some guys on tour look like you know they've never run a mile in their life and then you've got some guys that are totally jacked and their workout is very important to them i mean rory is very disciplined with his working out is there a, a happy medium between the two or what do you what do you think i think it's just changed totally and i mean I, all of that's because of tiger uh, i mm-hmm. mean listen i'm not shy about how I'm built, but you don't see guys. I mean, other than like, there's a couple Shane Lowry's one of the bigger guys, but for the most part, like you don't see any guys like that out on tour anymore. I mean, these guys are real athletes. They're, they're big, strong, and they continue to get stronger and faster. And training is a huge, huge part of this deal. I think that's one reason why we see a lot more injuries as well. And the season is so long. There's hardly an off season anymore. Um, But yeah, it's, it's changed. I mean, you didn't see many guys back in the early '90s built like Gary Woodland, Dustin Johnson. Like, it's 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 changed now, and it's only going to get bigger. Like, I was a guy that was one of the shorter guys on tour. You know, hit it very straight, like a lot like a Justin Leonard, a Corey Pavin kind of guy. Those those people don't exist coming out of college anymore. Like, if you don't absolutely smash it, you don't try to play competitive golf at the at the highest level anymore. And it's what kind a of shame sad. that is. It is it is sad because I think it's. I mean, like Corey Pavin and Justin, those guys were artists. It was awesome to watch them play, move it around the golf course and play it. Now it's just step up and swing as hard as you can, smash it and go find it. Um, but, you know, that's that's fun to watch. That's what the people like yeah. to see. And if, if you're not hitting it 300 in the air, you are you're falling way behind. Mm. Well, I'd rather not watch that, to be honest with you. I, I'm yeah. being, no, I'm being serious, Cole. I love, love the guys that can still move the golf ball and and still uh-huh. think the game that way. And I, it kind of frustrates me sometimes watching a game, watch watching a round of golf or watching a tournament where, you know, clearly the guy doesn't have enough club. He hits it short, and and no one really goes at you know like, not not go at the guy, but it's a wrong club. Like, mm-hmm. you know, I mean, yeah. we're we're looking at everything all the time, but the. Like, I don't know. I, I just think there's, I don't know. I, I, I guess I get frustrated with it. Just almost like goaltending. Like they, they don't draft anybody under six feet anymore. Well, maybe there's going to be somebody special out there that, that can really play that's under yeah. six feet. That's true. And I think there's a better chance of someone being under six feet being a goalie than there is hitting at 265 and playing on the PGA Tour. Um, yeah, you're point. just giving up so much and having to do it for four days. Like I could beat mm-hmm. Dustin Johnson on one day. But the odds of me beating him over four, giving up 35, 40 yards off the tee, it's just really hard to do. Boy, that's why I just got a new putting green in my backyard of my lake because um, Weston Weber and Celebrity Greens came over and did an unbelievable job. So I'm going to stick with the short game, getting the ball up and down, and making my putts. How's that nice, sound, Colt? Nice, nice sponsor drop there. Yeah, right? Uh, right, uh, right. Uh-huh. <laughs> well, I, I was actually looking at it. You, you and Max Homa, did you win something recently? Or was that a few years ago together? I slept. Oh, me and Max? I don't know. Probably. Yeah. We normally go against each other. Um, okay. I did get him ready for the Ryder Cup, though, recently. Myself oh, and Joe, Yeah, myself and Joe Greiner played best ball against him and Wyndham Clark's alternate shot the day before they left for Rome. It got them all fired up. We tied them. So uh, they were a little motivated nice. going over there. And Max played fantastic at the Ryder Cup. Yeah, he I, was, did. I was so proud of him. That was, yeah, he that did. was awesome to see. He was one of the few bright spots on the American team. Now, what do you think happened with that, Colt? Man, I, I, it's tough to play over there. That was my first Ryder Cup. 
overseas, and by the way, I loved it. Um, if you if you have a chance to go to a Ryder Cup overseas, I highly recommend not passing on that because their fans are incredible. They are so much fun. They're creative with their chance, but they were super creative. <laughs> yeah, it was hilarious, and I, I loved oh, they're it. lit up it, like Christmas trees. Yeah, well, it's true. <laughs> but for the most part, they're all respectful too, which I think which I think is great. But there was obviously a lot going on over there. I think the culture needs to change with the Ryder Cup for the most part. Like, I mean, I know the captains don't hit any shots, but it just seems like we have the same people every single time and it's just not working. I mean, now it's 32 years since they've won over there and yeah. you put that and people criticize the captain's picks and all this. I'm like, you put that team on a piece of paper and say, Hey, you got to take this team to go win. No one's gonna be like, mm, yeah, I don't really like our chances. Like that team was stacked and yeah. they went over there and they just didn't perform. I questioned you know, some of the pairings they put out with everything nowadays in every sport. It's just, it's all analytics and it drives me nuts. Like, I, I agree with you 100%. I freaking hate it. Like, I know those guys are smart and I get it. Like, it works a lot of the times, but sometimes it's not like, it's not true. You have to just go with your gut and be like, I know these two guys play really yeah. well together. Like, let's put them out there. The numbers might not say it, but I know they play well. Like myself and Dustin Johnson, when we played the Walker Cup. We, Buddy Marucci, our captain, in a practice session, put a, put some teams together. We went out there and just slapped everyone around. And he, we, before we even got to Ireland, we knew like these two are going to be playing together. They just they gel well together. It makes no sense because we play complete opposite games, but we get along great and we and we kind of just feed off each other. And I, I thought you know what I saw from Max and Wyndham before they went over there, like I thought that'd be a great team to go out. The Justin and Jordan Spieth team, I know we have it all the time, but it it didn't work. Jordan was struggling. Yeah. Um, sometimes you got to just call an audible when you're down 28, three in football, you ain't running the ball every damn play. Right. Like, yep. You got to mix it up sometimes. Yeah. I, I think hey. Jonah Hill and Brad Pitt ruined that for everybody with their Moneyball movie. Yeah, but yeah. you know, we, we yeah. argue about the analytics all the time across, across the board in all sports. Mm -hmm. You can't yeah. measure heart. You can't measure certain things or, or, or someone that you're going to play with in, in golf. I agree. You just can't. Yeah. Sometimes you have you know, to let it go. I'm not Buddy Marucci didn't do that with you. Yeah, no, he, he was fantastic. Um, I don't think analytics existed back in 2007 for the most part. But, you know, no. I, I'm not the biggest baseball guy. Um, my, my friends here are diehard Dodger fans. So I'll watch the playoffs and everything. And I'll, I mean, a guy will be have a shutout going through six and a third, and they pull mm -hmm. him because the analytics say so. I'm like, this guy's got a shutout going. Maybe we just let him keep rolling today. Right, right. Yeah, yeah that's, that's for sure. Can I go? Can I go back to that 07 uh, Walker Cup only because I was really perusing the notes as the as the analyst that I am, uh, Colt. I wanted to make sure I had all the research in front of me, but I was I was just mesmerized by this uh, that you, Bobby Jones and Jay Siegel are the only ones to win three USJ events. That in is year. that is amazing. Yeah. That's legitimate, right? In in one year, like that's, that's real. That's real stuff. The US man. USM Publinks, the US Amateur, and the Walker Cup. Mm -hmm. In the oh, USAM, did you beat Michael Thompson? I did. Yeah. Out at Olympic I Club. Wow. Oh, wow. At That's Olympic crazy. Club. Nice. That, that place is hard. Where's all your medals? I want to see those USGA stuff behind uh, you. All I see is a big window for crying out loud. You look uh, like a little person there. They are. They're around. I also got several jerseys over here. I got three hockey jerseys on the wall. Who do you have? Who's is one of them mine? Or do I have to drop one off later? No, you're going to have to drop one off. I got all right, Gretz. Perfect. Uh, Madonna and Crosby on the wall. So nice. Oh, those are, those are fairly ones. good. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Maybe, maybe right. I'll get you. A, I'll get you a Connor Bedard one. Now that uh, I'm covering that kid, the Blackhawks. Man, 
he is uh i'm a huge hockey person so i i love watching him play it is it is awesome man he is a stud and he looks 12 years old but it is impressive (laughs) it is so impressive what he does out there he's almost 12 yeah what what are some of the better tracks that you played at what's what's some of the tracks that you did good at didn't do good at and it's Uh, didn't do well at niner your grammar's awful well that too (laughs) okay I, know I, didn't go to, I didn't go to school for, for English, I'll tell you that. Yeah, I knew what you were saying. <laughs> Thanks, um, Cole. You know, for the most part, I played terrible at more places than I played great. But, um, you know, I, I, like the, I like the old school golf courses. I loved Hilton Head, um, Harbor Town out there, Colonial. Um, I played well at the Players one year. That was probably one of the highlights of my PGA Tour career. But I, I love the old school places. I got to play Augusta for the first time um, two Novembers ago which was pretty, pretty awesome. I mean, walking around that place now every year for the Masters, it's just, it's crazy. It's such a special place. Um, I recently was over in Australia covering an event for them called the Asia Pacific Amateur and got a chance to play a place called Kingston Heath in Melbourne, which quickly. That's unbelievable. Oh, unbelievable. And the tournament was at Royal Melbourne. So I didn't get to play there, but I walked around it every day. Man, there is some good golf down there. It is awesome. Really nice. That's an old Alistair McKenzie, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. There. And then right there, it's all in this little pocket. You've got Royal Melbourne across the street's Victoria Golf Club, which is also unbelievable. And then Kingston Heath's like 10 minutes down the road. Mm. Phenomenal. Hey, Cole, uh, being here I'm in Scott, Preston Trails. Oh, oh go ahead. No. Go ahead, Panger. You, do you play Preston Trails a lot, Cole? When I was back home in Dallas, yeah, we played quite a bit yeah. out there. That's, that's heaven. Um, you eat that that's lunch where... buffet, though. You, you got to be careful. You gain a lot of weight. <laughs> Gain a lot of that's where Bre- going around Mo's, Mo's over there, huh? That's he's always so yeah. kind to have us out one around there. It's what a great spot. Hey, Cole, wow. now that you're here in Scottsdale, there's a lot of current athletes, retired athletes, great golfers. Whose pockets are you getting into these days? Ooh, ooh, that's a good ooh. one. Um, my standard game, the only athlete in the group normally consists of Mr. Dan Marley, and that is a fun one. He loves the action and he can play. He loves it. He plays eight days a week. He is golf obsessed, <laughs> uh, but he's he's a lot of fun. There's there is plenty of good games out here in Scottsdale. You better be on your game, or you can get slapped around. There's so many good players in this area. It is <laughs> insane. I mean, every single person is like a two handicap or better. It seems like yeah. you you got to go. Yeah, Mulder, Loesch, all those guys. They pound the ball too. Oh yeah, they they all and do. the, the uh, and the wizard Ray Whitney oh, can play huh? Ray, at the Ray, Rock. Yeah. The wizard can play. We just played the we played the member guest earlier this year up at Gaza Ranch, and we didn't do too well, but we had a lot of <laughs> we, we, we had a lot, we had we had way too much fun. But um, yeah, there's so many good players out here. It's it's awesome, and I mean, Whisperock, as you know, it's just that place is heaven. Well, how about how about you get into heaven from Pilot Point, Texas? Mm-hmm. What an incredible journey you've been on, Colton. Uh, can't thank you enough for being here. Yeah, I'm not sure if we're so not what, sure what, we're wrapping up, but we, I tell you what, just personally, it's a it's a pleasure. And every time when I do see you, you just you just got such a, a just a great thing about you. There's just yeah, a positive energy. I love it, pal. Really great. Wow. It's fun having you on here. We um we you know we could talk off with you forever and and hockey and everything else. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. But before we let you go, um, where can we see you next? Are you what's your next CBS yeah. event? What's your next uh you know when when can we catch you? Yeah, well, so you can catch me every Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday on Sirius XM Channel 92 from noon to 2 Eastern um, on Gravy and the Sleeves. And then the podcast comes out every Tuesday. And for CBS, I actually have an off season, which is fantastic because of, because of football. 
apparently that's a pretty big thing in this, in this country. <laughs> um, we do not work again until San Diego, which is the same week as the AFC NFC Championship. So yes. I get a nice break to play some golf, hang out, and just enjoy Good. life. I'm actually um, headed to Pebble Beach next week to tee it up in a fun event. So hopefully the Thank weather's you. okay. But yeah, this is this is heaven for me. I, I work all summer and then I get football season off, which is great. That's when the weather gets good around here. not so bad, is it, Colt? Like you said, uh, maybe you're destined to do this and not play golf. I, I haven't missed a cut in three years. It's fantastic. Hey, perfect hey, for you. And, and now that Charles is back in town, let's get into his pockets. Oh, those are some whoa, big whoa, pockets. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Big, big, big pockets. pockets. That's the only thing that kept, kept me in business during COVID was Charles. So he was my ATM for a year. Whoa. Oh, you shouldn't <laughs> let that out of the bag there, Niner. That's a Oof. bad omen right there. He's going to take you like you read about. No, nah, he's all tight. He's my favorite kind of golfer because he's got big pockets and a big ego, and he doesn't want that many shots. They are the perfect pigeons. So I, I love <laughs> we, teeing it up with Sir perfect. Charles. Awesome. Cody's our producer down there. Cody, clip that one off. When we have a big Chuck on, that's going to be thrown right back over there. And, oh, I got and, so many for that one. Don't worry my, about that. We got plenty. My other, my other little note for you, Cold, is, and, and I said this recently, I was just in Arizona uh, where the Hawks played uh, the Coyotes. Don't sleep on the Coyotes. They, they're, they're a really good, entertaining team. So if you get a chance to go out and see them at the old Mullet Arena. So I have been to the mullet. It's awesome. I mean, I know it's not where they want to be full time, but yep. I, I love it. I thought it was a lot of fun. And yes, they are playing really well. I believe they're like five, four and one. So hanging in there. I play a lot of golf with um, Clayton Keller and Nick Schmoltz. So two of their very good players. Keller's a little scary. He's good. He's good at golf, too. It's really annoying. He's got a nice putting green in his backyard, too. I saw that. He's got a Man. nice lot of things in that backyard. It's big. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. Uh, well, it's so fun catching up with you. Continued success. Uh, you're awesome. Fun to have you on. Hopefully, maybe we'll get you on again at some point any, this season. Anytime. Love y'all. Thank you so much. For Thank you so much, Colt. Alex, yeah. you're just going to come carry my bag. Hey, I'm available. <laughs> I promise. As long as you can guarantee me a weekend in Tahoe, I'm there. There you go. There you go. Awesome. Thanks so much, Colt. You got it. Thanks, guys. Oh, guys, he's great. I would like to have Colt. I say this every week, but I'm like, Colt is awesome. He's so fun to talk to. He's great on the air. I love the yep. flavor he brings to golf. Um, but he was, it was great to have him on. He's so fun. You know what? I'd like, I'd like to be with Colt, and I have done this before. He's the kind of analyst that you sit back and you go, I just like to be sitting around having a beer with him while he's analyzing yeah. you know, the game. <laughs> because that's the fun demeanor. That's the personality. And that's what... That's what is necessary in television to have guys with personality and relationships with players. And you can tell how well liked and revered he was amongst yeah. his, his peers on whether the PGA tour collegiately, or obviously in the, as he said, in the minor leagues, <laughs> yeah, I like the way he said that. <laughs> and, and I said, anyway, so that was, that was a real pleasure to, uh, to, to break that down. I, I would have really liked to get into, and I, I'm going to have to go and have a few beers with cold and talk to him about, just the shot making ability that he had too. And yeah. he admittedly said he's not exactly, you know, the kind of shape that the a lot of these guys are. He's not Rory McElroy out there, but man, he could move a ball and think the game of golf. And that's mm -hmm. what really impressive about Cole. His Hulk. golf game reminds me a lot of yours, Panger. Like you guys actually play the course. You go mm -hmm. shot to shot. You methodically, you know, cause you're not the longest hitters, Yeah, but you get the job done and you know what's going on. And that's how you guys were able to play. But his game's a lot like your game for sure. Yeah, I, I reached out I to Brett Hull, and he's a good buddy, KT, and Hully just adores this guy. So that's that's really good. I think we're going to have to get grab Hully at one point and, and get him on together. here. Yeah, sure. I, mean, I can't imagine Colt and Hully 
like in the same foursome. Oh my gosh. I love, okay. So we talked about hole in ones and stuff and Panger, I know you've had, I have not, Niner has not mm. still waiting for that day, but um, you have had how many? Holes in I've had two, um, and and I went for the longest time without one. And and you know, uh, my wife, my wife Lynn, uh, she, I mean, I've been golfing for such a long time, and I come home and I go, man, I so close, I almost. She's like, yeah, yeah, you know, like tell me when you <laughs> tell, tell me when it goes in. So I was playing in the uh, uh, the amateur, I think it was the amateur uh, Publinks in um, in St. Louis at at Forest Park, and and the guy in my group was that amazingly enough was Brett Hall. And and we we're having a great day, and we we're all playing really, really well. And 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 so, um, I I hit one. It's over a bunker, and it just kind of cleared the bunker, and it might have hit the little downslope. And being the shortest guy in the group, I can't see <laughs> the ball go in. And Holy's like, it went in the hole. And you know, Holy, he's a very adamant. He's a very good analyst. I mean, man, that guy. And he's like, it's in the hole. And I, I didn't want to get too excited, but it was in the hole. So that was my first one. And then uh, a few years ago at the at the Blues uh, for Kids. Um, Golf outing at Bell Reeve. I mean, great place in KT. Wow. You, yeah. we, we played Bell yes, Reeve together, we did KT. Together. We did. And and, um, and a wonderful I course. And tag on my bag. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And hole 13 is, uh, it was, it, I hit it and I had a little bit of a draw to it. And it, I could tell it released nicely, but I thought maybe it went over. And um, playing with a longtime friend, Bobby Brown, and, and, uh, um, I was going to go to his wedding. I did go to his wedding on a Sunday, and this was like a Thursday or a Friday. And and uh, um, anyway, he's like, "It's in the hole," and he was <laughs> like, "He's six foot six, so he could see wow. it." And uh, Donnie Lux, who is one of the part owners of the uh, of 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 the Blues, he's shorter than I am, so he I, I swear <laughs> he couldn't have seen it. Anyway, it ended up going in the hole. But the greatest thing about it, Donnie Lux uh, owns Lux Co., which is a a brand and, and distribution for of all things, bourbons, um, which I nice. have a affinity for. And so uh, it was the 13th hole. On the 14th hole, sure enough, is in all his products sitting there under the tent. Wow. And did we dabble into that stuff for no the rest kidding. of the round. So, yeah, came you in there and all the – You started talking round then. Uh, you, got, you got a free round. It was uh, unbelievable. <laughs> That's, That's awesome. amazing. It was a KT, cool feeling because I hit that nice... well. What's that? Oh, I'm sure. KT, you've witnessed a nice hole in one. Tell us about your experience watching it. With with who? With your mom. No, I've never seen a hole in I one. I thought you were with her. I was not with her. She was playing in a championship. My oh. mom is a fabulous golfer. She's a club champion at our club. She's a senior club champion. Wow. She's on multiple tours in New Jersey, you name it. To your point about playing the course, she's one of the best at it. Yeah. I mean, she's a little pipsqueak, so she's not going to drop out time, <laughs> but she's par birdie every single hole. It's like really annoying to play with. But anyway, no, she's great. So she was playing in a tournament actually gotcha, okay. farms in new jersey and it was a rainy awful day i mean horrendous you see the picture of her she's got her baseball cap on she's got her rain gear on like you know of every perfect day you've ever played you never think like that's the day that it's going to go in the right. hole but uh, yeah she had a hole in one it was really exciting she texted us um actually she was playing with um our all of our good friends darren and dennis blake and their blake oh, uh, wow. company so um they had labeled balls that they had given to my mom years ago it was that's last awesome year. They continue to give her, you know, sleeves of balls for her rounds. And so she, uh, I, I sent them the picture. I'm like, look, it must be the balls, you know. The, she got a whole <laughs> that's thing. great. A lot of good so, connections. No, we were so excited. I mean, she plays all the time. But that's the point. It's like some people have 15 holes in one. Some people go a whole lifetime playing so many rounds and they never have one. I've come close. Um, and you know what's so funny when you think, like, you hit it close and you're like, it could be. Maybe right. it is. 
Maybe, and like you actually start to convince yourself, I think I might've just gotten a hole in one. And then yeah. you get up there. Like, oh yeah. It's no, amazing. it's like, feet away. <laughs> it's, yeah. Yeah. It's uh, it's, I, I hope one day I get it, or at least I can see it with something. You will. So fun to play with someone that has a hole in one. Yeah, so. you, you will. I, I tell you, I got most enjoyment out of the people that I was with actually, because yeah, uh, Bobby Brown had never seen one and Donnie hadn't and his son, Phil hadn't seen one. And, and they, well, they were so, they were literally emotional watching it go in the hole and, wow. and seeing it and then videotaping yeah. it. And uh, I, I want to ask you, Katie. this year. Like, uh, yeah. Curry with this hole in one. Yeah. Joe Pavelski was playing with him. Matt Fortatero was Joe's caddy. We love Matt, one of our buddies. And like, they're all flying down the fairway. I could hear it. I knew someone had a hole in one. I was probably, you know, 10 holes away on a different hole. But the I mean, roar on the course was unbelievable. Ridiculous. And Steph wow. was just like, untouchable that you knew it happened you didn't know who but you knew and stuff but um you know and then races and runs down the the course like right up the middle of the gut of the fairway and onto the green and people are going bananas and oh my god it's just yeah when i saw that kt i just didn't want him to rip a like a a, an ankle like tony finau did at at the three at at, at, at augusta Augusta. i was like oh my goodness be careful be careful (laughs) he's my favorite basketball player to watch be careful um but remember a couple of years ago, Joe Sackick, when he played yep. in at Tahoe on 17, he drained that's it. Right. right? Yep. I that's mean, right. and that was for things. a million balloons, wasn't it? A million balloons, mistaken. 500 to charity, 500 to Joe. That a boy, Joe. Man, oh, man. Yep. That is. And, that and is again, such an we were thing. on the other side of the course at that point in time, and you just, the roar is unbelievable at Tahoe. It's great. Now, can I ask you, Catherine, um, was that, this is a broadcast term, so don't get excited, at Venerable Somerset Hills in Jersey? That your mother had what that one. Is that where my mom had all the was at Hampton Farms, which is wow, it's right there, isn't it? Beautiful. Right yeah. down the yes. street from Somerset Hills. Yeah. Oh my goodness. Yep. She just, uh, I know. Well, well, only the fine courses for mom. <laughs> we could, hey, we could have this debate. We could have this debate, and maybe we need somebody from Golf Digest or somebody else that the, the, state by state. I mean, the truly greatest golf courses, state yep. by state. Uh, oh my goodness! I will tell you Hard this, to beat and I that area. Lot. I have this debate a lot with people because growing up in the New Jersey area, I mean, growing up on some of the greatest courses ever in the tri-state area, you know, we're mm-hmm. loaded with unbelievable courses. The thing is, is that, you know, we can't play them all year long. So it's, you know, it's a long winter and a lot of people do go just go south to South Carolina and Georgia and Florida. Sure. But, um, you know, when you read those magazines and every every time you get the rankings and Golf Digest ranks all the best courses in in the country, I mean, New Jersey, New York, Connecticut, loaded. I mean, where do you start, right? And the best, I think the beauty of the courses up north in the Northeast are spectacular. You know, we have huge trees and we have, you know, a lot of blind shots because of that and forests and you're playing in different terrains. And I just think, you know, Yes, I, I'm always trying to tell people we have arguably the best courses in the country, but and the greatest, <laughs> but the legendary golf course designers too. I mean, that's sure. you know whether it be Tillinghast or Donald Ross yep. or yep. Uh, CB McDonald or Seth Rayner, like it goes yep. on and on. I mean, it's just it's a it's it's an amazing compliment to uh, to architecture way back in the early 1900s and and how it's withstood the test of time. And I recently right. played with Joe Micheletti at Sleepy Hollow, and I'm like. Oh. Are you kidding me? What a golf course that is. I mean, there's just so many. Awesome. We, so we need a we need somebody to do some rankings here for us. We'll do it. We'll do it. We, we need, need an athlete, an athlete we'll from every golf. state. That's what we need. An athlete from every state and there they you can, go. we can break it down. Okay. And and one last thing regarding hole in ones, just our uh, our last guest, Cole Hamels. Yeah, yeah. that's right. We had there this hole in one out here. So yeah. you were with crazy. Him, and like you said, Panger, 
you know, when you got the hole in one, you were happier for the people with you. Look how happy all his teammates were for him when he got the hole in one. And <laughs> I've only, I've been privileged enough to witness three, but uh, that was pretty special. Yeah. That's well, then awesome. he hits a home run the next night at Wrigley. I know, seriously. I mean, no, no, on, it was in spring like, training. Oh, it was, was in it spring okay. training here in Arizona because we okay. played Silverleaf. And then uh, it was their last spring training game before they went back to Chicago. Okay, I don't crazy. let the facts get in the way of my good story, pal. Yes. It sounded a lot better than I said. Like he flew okay, it was Wrigley. Wrigley. It was Wrigley. Hey, you're, don't worry. I'm not fact-checking you. Yeah. <laughs> um, I want to talk about something that's a hot topic right now because I know, Niner, you're very interested in watching this, but something that has been percolating on Twitter and all across social media is officiating. Yeah. <laughs> um, and, I mean, what else is new, right? Like if it's a new season, it's hockey, it's football, it's whatever. Everybody's yeah. complaining about the refs or the umpires. Um, what is it specifically that's catching your attention right now with the officiating? Well, you know, usually we like to do some sort of gambling segment and talk about odds and, and, and races, Heisman races, et cetera. But, you know, when I'm watching sports every night and, and I'm on my degenerate text threads with a couple of my Fredonia State hockey buddies and a couple other former players, but um, the officiating has come into play a lot. And not just from, you know, the team that you're rooting for or, or you know, who you're betting against or with, but the rage is these officials are basically – dictating the outcome of the games lately. And that is a, having a big effect on Vegas because when these point spreads are so tight and usually they you know are covering by a half a point or a point one side or the other, the the rage right now on the officiating is like, Panger, I mean, you see it in, in every game, whether it should be a penalty or you know, power play. This team's got five power plays. This team has zero. But right okay. now, to me, from a gambling perspective, it's taken way too much out of people's pockets in, in Vegas. It seems like Vegas has a hotline to every ref and they know what's going to dictate. And for example, people are saying, okay, the refs are, you know, so pro Kansas city chiefs, Patrick Mahomes, the refs being caught hugging a Philadelphia Eagle last week, um, multiple holding calls against Micah Parsons in Dallas that were not called. So mm -hmm. it's like, are they taking sides? Are they wanting one team to win more and cover the spread or, you know, do the refs know the spreads? It's crazy right now of how they're dictating the outcome of whether you're going to win a bet or lose a bet. So that's my take on how, how we're dissecting what's going on right now and in, in, in the officiating. Oh, is it is it over or is it overpopulated, though, because of the commonness of gambling that it's at our fingertips now that maybe it wasn't a little bit ago? It's I, I definitely, mean, definitely have effect. Yes, this 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 argument's gone on for 100 years. In, in every single sport. And, right. and so I just wonder if the, 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 um, the emotions of the fan isn't based mm -hmm. on whether or not so-and-so wins or they, it, it's based on the almighty dollar that they might be putting their right. last few fish nagels on there. And now they're under duress. Now they're stressed out. So that's yeah. something that we've got, got to be careful about as well is, is, um, well, that's just the facts of the matter. It's a gambling. Yep. You put money on the line. Now you're upset with, yep. the, with the officiating. Now you're, you know, because an official hugs somebody. I mean, I don't know. I've, I've heard people say that, to, you know, to me um, because I know somebody on a team. And after a game, I've, I've gone over there and then gave them a hug. Well, it's because I know the guy. <laughs> like, it's, right. you know, right. I haven't seen the guy in a while. And I hugged him. I'm not <laughs> picking sides or anything like that. And, True. you know, I, I, I will say this in the I'm, – I'm only going to go through this on the NHL side because I'm between the benches for – I would probably say 80% of the games, maybe even more. And all I can say is that in the game of hockey, 
I think we go through a very soft preseason. We go through the early part of the season. And last year, I noticed it more than ever. And then, you know, a lot of penalties being called. Yes, there's a lot of penalties that when I look around the ice and there's five guys, seven guys, eight guys, the coach on one side, a coach on the other side, myself, our producer, and we're like, what's the call? <laughs> you know, when yeah. you have that many people, you're like, what's the call? Yeah. Generally speaking, the, the referee goes after the period and looks at it and goes, oh, my, what a, you know, Ben, that's not a very good call, you know, uh, and that happens. And, and we're trying to sell it like, hey, we see it at fast speed. We see it at slow motion. We see it at super slow motion. We get to see it four times. And they get to see it once. But what confuses me, and I'll just say this, I thought last year to begin the playoffs, we went from one to 5,000 in intensity yeah. to start the playoffs in a seven-game series. And it was almost like, what, we're all surprised that they hate each other? They're trying to win the Stanley Cup. And we right. didn't have the same kind of it maybe intensity in officiating or, or letting the players battle so hard down the stretch so that when you jumped into the playoffs, it was seamless. I, I felt like last year was the first time I really thought that, boy, it's not up to speed with how the seven-game series is going to go. So that's what I would say about the hockey stuff. The other stuff, I, I don't know. You can find a penalty yeah. or non-penalty in every single sequence in every single sport. Exactly. exactly. So, so, so there's two points I want to make here. I'm watching a hockey game last week. There were 17 power plays. 17. You can't wow. tell me there were 17 penalties in that game and, and not 18 or 19 at that point. And it seems to me early on in the hockey season, the refs are way more prone to make more oh, calls. For sure. And that's what I'm saying and, and is it, that they're, right. they're trying to and you just hint it on that. You know, yeah. But, but you're turning this, this sport into special teams. It's not what it is. And then all of a sudden at the playoffs, yeah. now we're back to, to five on five. Yeah. You know, it's just crazy how it works. I, but I prefer five on five hockey myself. I mean, I think that's where you, you know, you look at the good teams and they're five on five goals, four goals against differential. How many times, how many, the percentage of a 60 minute game in the offensive zone and, and how many times they can get one shift yep. and another shift and another shift going. Yeah. I'm, I'm but you, you know, it's that's, turned into a special teams game for, for the first 30 games of the season, to well, me, in my opinion. Then if you're an offensive player, you better get your candy early in the yep. season because <laughs> it's not going to come later on as much. So here's the second part of the officiating that I want to talk about. I think, I think this After is really bothering game, him, KT. I think, I, I think, I, I, listen, I think, when you're sitting on the couch watching as much sports as I am and flipping through the channels and the text threads are going, maybe you should get on the Peloton while you're watching. Officiating therapist. You, uh, hey, you know what? We've got a couple of officials that are our friends. Maybe we should have them on. But here's, here's a point that's come up with, with a bunch of my friends. Coaches are obligated to do press conferences after the games. Players are obligated. When will we ever be able to have officials be held accountable? And, Do you want and to officiate if you had to go and meet the media after every game? I yeah, wouldn't. But, 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 I mean, you can go back three, four years. Remember the playoff game with New Orleans and that play that basically cost them moving on? I think it was mm -hmm. against Minnesota. Mm -hmm. I want to know, why, the official, why did you call that pass interference? Or why didn't you call it? You know, the game's on the line. It's to go to the NFC Championship game. So... At what point do you have I to think, have them accountable? I think, how do you, how do you have I, them accountable? I, I will say this. I, I think that there are probably moments of an egregious call that I think it would uh, it'd behoove the commissioners or the, or the league itself mm -hmm. to, to, to bring the referee for 
one statement. You know, you're not going to sit the referee in front of the media for 20 minutes and break down every no, single no. call. But you know what? There was a call. I'm going to step up here. I'm going to tell you exactly what it was. It happens on the ice an awful lot where a referee knows he doesn't make the right call. And the, yeah. the best thing that I see referees do is go right to the bench and defuse the situation. The minute that they don't go to the right. bench is the minute that the coach is losing his mind, the players are losing their mind, and the and the you know and that to me would be the one advice I would give is that and that's such an egregious call. Yeah. Then they can be accountable. They look good doing it. Hey, I missed that call. I saw something here, and it wasn't the yep. stick. It was this. He got caught in a rut. It's my fault. And, you know, I think that's maybe the best way of doing it. I think we all, when we make mistakes, to have the ability to come out and say that's on me is way better than hiding from it. It might right. be. Right. And that's well said, Panger. And, and, and those refs that do that, kudos to them. Yep. But the ones that don't and they know that they missed a call, what's worse? The makeup call that's coming. And you know it's coming too. Every single NHL game, as soon as a team gets two or three power plays, guess who's getting the next one? You know it's coming. And and I just you know from a gambling perspective and and looking at yeah, it from that way on your yeah. couch it's different. Fair, fair, fair. We'll get yep. one of our uh, referee umpire friends on here. We can chat about it with. I'll them, bring but... on Mr. Brian Pakmara, one of my good buddies from back home that I grew up with. So we'll get him on. See you, Michelle. Yes, he's he is. Yes. Fun being with you. Another episode of Back to You. Um, looking forward to uh, hearing everyone's response to Colt and. And, uh, and and getting excited for our next guest next time as well. So fun to be with you guys. Yeah, can't wait. Enjoy uh, planes, trains, and automobiles. Where will we be next? <laughs> exactly. Where in the world is Waldo? KT, Panger, great job. Safe travels to everybody. You too, you guys. guys. Too. Okay. See you soon. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Grainger.com, or just stop by. Granger, For the ones who get it done.